Welcome to the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Moore, coming to you from snowy Wichita, Kansas, and with me are two of my good friends. From Allentown, Pennsylvania, Mr. Ryan Kelly. How are you doing tonight, Ryan? I'm doing great, Nick. A little, little tired, but uh, really happy to be here. Well, glad to have you. And uh, since we had such a good time on the last episode, uh, we decided to have this next person on with us again. So, all the way from Southern California, Larry Griffiths. How are you doing, Larry? Doing great, Nick. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm good, Larry. Well, thank you both for joining me tonight. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded an episode, and I can speak for myself by saying the last several weeks have been full of travel and spending time with family through the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, One of those trips is actually going to be our first topic for tonight. Um, I've been going to this tech conference in Las Vegas uh, for the last three years or so, and um, the first year we were going to go, um, I just happened to look at the air show calendar and, you know, unbeknownst to me, just because I hadn't been paying too much attention, um, Nellis Air Force Base was hosting their Aviation Nation air show. And um, I uh, sheepishly uh, asked my wife if she would be interested in, in making a, uh, a weekend trip out to Vegas and, you know, just go spend some quality time together and... and not have to worry about kids and other life's responsibilities. And uh, she said, no, that sounds great. And then I decided, oh, and also, since it's my birthday that month, well, would you mind going to an air show with me on Sunday? And my wife, being the amazing wife that she is, said, yeah, that sounds fine. And so 2017 was the, was the first time that I was able to make it out to Nellis for Aviation Nation, which, as I understand... It had been a show that happened every year prior to that. And go figure, the the one year I go, then they start making it every other year. But um, since then, that's kind of been our our, uh, standard trip every year is to go to Vegas during that same weekend because it just happens to be the weekend before before this tech conference that I go to for my day job. And um, last year, we just went out and had fun, but I knew 2018 was, or 2019, I guess, was going to be here soon and um so i had that one penciled in on the calendar a long time ago and um so that kind of brings us to aviation nation 2019 where um i was fortunate enough to see a lot of friends but um you two happened to also be in the area that same weekend that's right in fact i think i ran into uh ryan on the first day parked my car it's the second time in my life i've jumped out of my car at an air show and there's ryan kelly I told him, what did I say? I'm gonna. It's hard to be surprised by this anymore. Something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I got out in the parking lot and I'm like that looks just like Larry's truck and got closer and closer and it was Larry. So. <laughs> yeah, the first time I think was uh, El Centro. Was that 2017? Uh, was that 2018? That was uh, that was, was 18, 2018. 2018 El Centro, yeah. I mean, maybe it doesn't mean anything to people listening, but we are about as f- we live about as far away from each other as possible, <laughs> and uh, we run into each other at air shows that are not necessarily close to either of our houses. So it's pretty neat when it happens. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You guys actually, uh, you got to sneak in the day before, didn't you? 
Yeah, in fact, I think that's, uh, I was right at, we were getting our credentials uh, for, well, I was there for Media Day, and uh, it was nice. The base did a fantastic job of hosting a handful of photographers, and uh, we had pretty good access the first day. Um, the only limitation really being that um, it was all escorted, so we as a group split into some subgroups, had to stay in those subgroups. That was the only downside, but it was great. Uh, access good light and good practice for uh, Saturday and I was uh, thankful I had the opportunity yeah while I was on base I wasn't uh, I wasn't shooting the show I was there for uh, for work so I didn't get to watch too much of the show on Friday Larry you mentioned the the groups that they that they put you in how big were the groups you know I don't uh, let me think on on photographers that were in my group with the public affairs office I think there was perhaps 23 or 24 and we had split initially into two groups ultimately into three groups but actually wound up relatively in the same area of the field within each other so it started with basically all three groups walking some portion of the the flight line um my groups sort of went to the middle first uh and i really my first time at nellis air force base so it was a I was sort of getting my bearings, trying to figure out where I'd want to shoot from. The morning light, the early morning light there, is a little challenging uh, from from the sh- show line side, anyway. Yeah, it uh, it can be a little hazy for sure. Yeah, hazy and the low sun in the morning. So I was trying to come up with some strategies for that, but uh, I was fortunate that um, you know, as every minute ticked by, the light just got better and better, and it eventually wound up right where it ends up for a. Uh, you know why why that place has such a reputation for being like a, a studio for aircraft photography almost yeah what was the what was the crowd like on the media day um so as i understood it it was it was friends family and uh you know employees and relatives that sort of thing uh there really was not much of a crowd where you would normally glance and see thousands of people i think you would glance and see hundreds of people uh, plenty of room to move around, plenty of room on the on the rope line. And the, the only downside was there was very limited um, vendors open. So mm. uh, not a lot of water and food to be had uh, at, the, at all the locations that were available for Saturday and Sunday. Did it, um, was, was it the whole entire show rehearsed that day? So yes and no. Um, again, bear with me, I'm no expert. This was my first trip and my first day. Uh, it seemed to me that the uh, Thunderbirds performed before the end of the show, and at that point, uh, my credentials ended, and I had to leave the base, and uh, got back to my hotel, which was really close, and saw the F-35 uh, taking off. <clears throat> so th- apparently, there was some actually a couple other acts that may have flown after the Thunderbirds Friday. But uh, from my parking lot, I was able to watch the F-35 uh, demo as well as the Heritage flight and actually got a uh, couple good shots from the parking lot of my, oh, I don't know what I was in, a Marriott Express or something. Hmm. Maybe a Holiday Inn Express, I think. Did you, uh, did you have a chance to do any spotting from off base while you were there leading up to the show? Not, not, in, the, not in the spots that uh, people always talk about, uh, and we had some friends in those spots. No, um, really just after Friday from the parking lot. And then I think after Saturday, uh, Ryan was with me. We did some 
couple minutes of spotting from the same parking lot, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's literally across the street from the base. It's a good hotel, but it's uh, it's essentially show center. So I think uh, you know, if you go and spot from the racetrack, you're on a approach departure, closer to an approach departure, uh, end than where that particular hotel was. Very cool. So, so moving into the actual show itself, uh, Larry, you you only stayed uh, through Saturday, and I got there Saturday afternoon, so I was only at the show on Sunday, so our paths didn't actually cross. Yeah, I was, I was sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. You'd had too much Vegas, I assume. <laughs> yeah, not too much North Vegas, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Nick, I, I was uh, I was there uh, all weekend, um, limited capacity on on Friday. Uh, but as you mentioned, I was able to attend the show on base uh, both both days, Saturday and Sunday. Were you able to shoot much on Saturday, or were you working? Uh, I had a work obligation both days, uh, so I got I got some photos. I mean, not as much as uh, I would have really liked, um, as far as being right up close, um, but, you know, I was there for work. So uh, I was able to shoot on the line a little bit with Larry on Saturday, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, when you got into town Sunday, it was a little bit of the same line, did, uh, you know, did my duties for, for work. And then um, as the Thunderbirds went up, that was that was really nice uh, to get them from a different angle. What were your guys' overall impressions of the show? I guess we'll start with you, Larry. Well, I was, I, I, first of all, I had a great time and everybody at the base was uh, fantastic um, and did see some folks that, uh, you know, that we know collectively through our, our travels and that was neat and uh, met some new friends and you know, spent some time shooting with people that are from different parts of the country and it's just, I always enjoy that. Uh, the show itself I thought was great. Um, you know, if you really want to be particular, there was a couple moments of nearly unmanageable haze. But, you know, if that's only, I don't know, 30, 40 degrees of the entire field of view. And um, I'm not sure the directions which way that is. But when, when I was looking more towards the uh, speedway, that's uh, the best light there. And I found, uh, I found it to be a lot of fun shooting that direction, especially as the afternoon went on. Good show. Had a great time. And I'll go back as soon as they tell me what it is. 2021, 2022. Let me know. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, uh, I'll, you know, hit the jump on words, but uh, I think Larry hit hit it perfectly, and uh, I think, you know, being that uh, most of the most of the bases around where I live and the shows that I grew up around was, uh, you know, Air Mobility Command, so you didn't get a lot of the fighter component uh, that you would typically see at Nellis. I mean, Nellis is the home of the fighter pilot. Um, and uh, not to mention the the uh, the backdrop for you know, photography is absolutely stunning, and uh, you know I think Larry mentioned that the uh, the morning can be a little uh, difficult, especially shooting uh, more towards the southern end of the uh, the base. Uh, but as the day goes on, uh, the light gets better and better. Um, and and Nellis, it's my first time there uh, for the show. They just did an absolutely incredible job all the way around. Uh, one of the best run shows that I've ever been to. Yeah, it was smooth. Yeah, they actually did something there that I'm. I guess I'm not used to seeing at the shows that I go to. There was actually quite the, quite the amount of bleachers that you could actually go sit on and and be able to see, you know, over the crowd that was in front of you. Uh, 
Um, people seem to be respectful of, you know, of, of not getting in other people's ways. Um, I guess I'm just not used to seeing that it, it shows very often. So it was, that was a nice touch, especially at show center to have, I don't know, four sets of bleachers. Yeah, that was set up right. And they had, uh, they had standing photographers only in the back row or, you know, row and a half to keep people from, you know, planting themselves mid bleacher with a 600 millimeter on a tripod and a gimbal or something. Yeah. Do have to apologize to my wife for hitting her right in the back of the head with my lens, but oh, cheapers! <laughs> the Raptor was taking off. <laughs> Perfectly logical. Yeah, but yeah, I think the the backdrop that's there is is second to none. Um, you know, it's as with most all shows, and I can I can specifically say for Chino and for Nellis. I wish they would start the show about two hours later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Agreed. With, with everything, you know, finishing up, you know, it, 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 right at the end of the afternoon, you know, the light would be a lot better. But they're, you know, they're not putting the show on specifically for photographers. <laughs> they're trying to have let everybody have a good time and get home and and do what they need to do. But, um, but yeah, being around all of the the air combat command um, is. It's different for me as well. I, I see that stuff at Oshkosh, you know, sometimes, but having it literally all be there and um, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, it was neat to see military planes flying uh, with mock armament as well. You know, I'm not uh, necessarily a go get them work type of person, but to be able to photograph state of the art fighter aircraft with armament underneath uh was was a new feature uh most air shows you'll see that stuff is i should say most air shows in the u.s you'll see that stuff removed and just empty <clears throat> empty underwings but that's definitely not the case at aviation nation not to mention flares oh i was saving that for my favorite oh. part, but yeah, the flares were <laughs> fantastic yeah if they could only bring the flares in about half a mile they would be so much more spectacular ah, well. <laughs> Danger I'm sure there's close. some reason Danger why close. they don't, but man, that would be cool. <laughs> Fod. Yeah, and the raptor spitting flares, that was pretty, pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, that happened as I was turned the other direction watching something else take off. Just in time oh. for somebody to say, oh, look, oh man, I just missed that. <laughs> so I have nothing to prove that that actually happened. It wasn't a lot, but yeah. In fact, uh, Friday, I think a few. Uh, I thought Friday the flare, the amount of flares on Friday seemed noticeably less but still there uh seemed on saturday uh over the combined arms demo uh the strike eagles were just basically painting a circle around the battle zone with flares that was uh unique to saturday if i remember correctly uh they were doing it they were doing it on sunday just not as much i meant from the friday to saturday as i didn't see sunday so you guys could tell me if Mm. that was true or not so for anybody that's not been there, one of you guys want to take a few moments and talk about exactly what the combined arms demo actually is? Sure. So I can uh, give a little bit of a, I guess, brief background on it. So there's a, uh, <clears throat> I would say a mass launch, uh, but I think they put up a couple of uh, F-15 Strike Eagles, a couple of F-35s, uh, and I think they put up what, two or three A-10s, um, and they put up two of their painted uh, F-16 aggressors. Uh, one was the Blizzard, and the most 
the newest painted F-16 was, uh, I think it's pronounced Wraith, uh, but it's a gorgeously painted black and, and, and red F-16 of the 57s. And uh, basically, once they launch those aircraft, uh, both aggressor F-16s come in and do a simulated attack on the, the base. And the one airplane that didn't take off in the mass launch is, is the uh, Raptor, and that is the response aircraft that launches immediately after the first pass of the uh, first F-16s that uh, circle. And he goes after them. They have a mock dogfight. And uh, Larry, if you want to talk a little bit more about what happens next. Yeah, well, first of all, there's a lot going on. There's stuff going on on the ground. There's flares going off. There's good guys. There's bad guys. There's, you know, they're racing around the tower. Uh, the flares are high and the flares are distant, but it's, it's still spectacular. And then... Um, I believe it, it sequences into a ground support mission and the helos come in to address uh, friendlies on the ground that are injured and they hold high cover while that goes on and then the uh, choppers come out. Um, and then the the best part of that, in my opinion, is is the end, the ending formations as the parades come by after the demo uh, in what would be easily considered dissimilar formations and a missing man formation. Uh, spectacular to yeah. watch. And that's when the light is just starting to get really good. Yes. Do you remember what all was in the parade pass? Um, let's see. They had F-16, F. Oh, but you know what? You have to separate that because there's a couple parade passes. Right. So they had a one pass that was really interesting was that they had I think it was the F-22, the F-35, the uh, F-16, F-15, and it was led by an A-10. Uh, so you're looking at all the, essentially the operational aircraft that are there at Nellis. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head what the first pass was. Uh, I think that was the, uh, the F-16s uh, that came in and uh, they did a, a really neat break. Yeah, I somehow managed to miss that, uh, the, the combined parade pass. I don't remember if I was having an issue with the camera or what. And I'm, that's literally, that's my biggest regret for the whole show that I was looking down trying to fix something and uh miss that entirely. it's hard not to just watch and uh, that's what i kind of found myself doing and especially uh you know in the mornings when i was uh doing uh, when i was working i was just getting the opportunity just to watch it so it's different to just watch a show uh, but that's that's a good place i, I just pulled it up because <clears throat> it was spectacular the uh one of them, led by the A-10, included the Strike Eagle, the F-35, an F-16, and an F-22. That's a nice formation. And then uh, the other one was different combination of the same aircraft that was up and with a missing man element. Yeah. So anyway, definitely worth the price of admission. You can't beat free. Yeah, and they, you know, I think it's probably worth bringing up that, you know, for for the general public, and, and I guess I'll, I'll say this much, that... Um, I was I was just attending as as the general public. I didn't uh, I didn't have press credentials for full disc or anything this time. I just I was on vacation with my wife, and uh, she was kind enough to uh, accompany me to an air show. So um, didn't have any any special treatment or special parking or anything like that. And they do a very nice job of parking you at the uh, the speedway that's down the road, where they've got you know more more parking than one would ever need for an air show and they just run buses constantly. And, you know, if you, if you show up, oh, I don't know, we I think we got there 45 minutes before the gates opened or whatever, and they started running buses. So we were basically just on a bus parked 
at the gate waiting to get in for whatever the nine o'clock or whatever the time the, the gates opened and, um, you know, got right in, got right off the bus and, and we were in and they do all the security at the speedway. So you don't, there's not a long line, um, you know, getting, getting in. You just, as soon as you get off the bus, you're already on base and you can go, um, take in the whole show. But I think that's worth noting. They do a very nice job with that handling a lot of people, um, you know, in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. And I forget what the actual attendance was for the weekend, but it was a lot. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was like a hundred thousand or something like that, but it, it was definitely a lot of people. Yeah. I kind of, kind of wondered how that was going to be. I remember them saying, uh, they were expecting a hundred thousand. I thought that was a, over the, over the full three days, but, uh, I'm sure we can find those numbers. I just pulled up the other pass, the missing man, uh, strike Eagle pulls up one of the other F 16s, another a 10 and the other F 35 in that, uh, missing man formation. So there, you know, obviously you're on a military base. There are some things that are a little different. Security was thorough, I would say. Uh, but also one of the shows where having an access credential does not necessarily give you a better position on the flight line. There is no dedicated press area. I mean, somebody looks like they're on the tower. That was a credential I did not have. Uh, but you're basically, you're shooting with everybody else and a lot of people on the front line hanging cameras over the fence. So it's, it's a, definitely a photographer's show, but most of the show is high. And I noticed the depth of the crowd. There's plenty of people that were well back from the flight line that uh, saw 99% of what the people hanging on the mm-hmm. rope saw. It's definitely not a low air show. So <clears throat> that sometimes helps you know keep people from running full speed for the fence line when you know something like a jet truck shows up or you know that sort of thing. Uh, large show line, and I think that helps too. Very, long. yeah, very, very long. <laughs> and it actually bends at the end, so you can all you can even get down get down towards the north end and and have a different perspective as the especially as the Thunderbirds break over your head. Well, that's where I finished Friday afternoon. Was uh, down at that end, shooting towards the speedway, and the light is good. The only thing is, on Friday, the Thunderbirds I think were flying earlier. Then they ended up flying on Saturday and Sunday, so it was not quite the same. Uh, but it's definitely a great end to shoot, and a lot of tall mountains in the background. It's a beautiful place. Take pictures. Yeah, it definitely is. That it is. What were you guys' favorite moments? I'll start with you, Ryan. Um, geez, there was definitely a few. Uh, well, that was actually the first place that you and I were able to meet for the first time, knowing each other for well over two years now. Uh, so that was the first time that we actually got to link yep. up. Uh, seeing, <clears throat> seeing, uh, familiar faces, uh, got to shoot with Larry over at uh, thunder over Michigan this year, but it's always a fun time, you know, picking up the camera with him and, uh, you know, meeting the, uh, the crew on the West coast. I mean, I, 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 I can't even tell you how many West coast photographers that I got to meet that, you know, if I didn't go to Nellis, I, I wouldn't have uh, had the opportunity to meet them, uh, from the uh, show perspective, um, you know, there was a couple that really stood out. Uh, the Growler, um, you know, for an Air Force base, I think they were they were trying to show what the Navy can do a little bit. Uh, he did some fantastic passes. Uh, Thunderbirds did an excellent job for the weekend. Uh, you know, it's their home base, it's their home show, and it's the last one of the the season and uh, the last one ever for a few of the pilots. So, uh, I would say, from an aerial perspective, uh, those the Thunderbirds and the 
the uh, Growler were huge. Uh, but what was more special to me is, is uh, seeing some of the uh, you know final flights as uh, you know demo pilots or uh, or air show careers uh, you know coming to a close. Uh, so seeing Dojo you know climb out of the F thirty five demo plane for the last time. And uh, you know, a few others. It was just uh, it, it, Julie Clark as as one. Uh, it was just it was emotional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about you, Larry? Well, I'm you know to use Ryan's word, not to jump on his words, but um, I, I feel a lot. I feel the same way about a lot of what he said. Uh, definitely saw a lot of my close personal friends there, which was neat. Uh, and also shooting with Ryan, and we met some folks from uh, neighboring states and it, it's just always great to talk to other people and get their perspective uh, definitely one of the best parts of an air show from the actual performers um, you know the com- combined arms demo is spectacular uh, Vicky Benzing just flew wonderfully and um, I, I, I enjoyed seeing the uh, aggressor jets uh, the different paint schemes for the Vipers uh, it's, it's neat to have that stuff uh, in my library now, which I never had before. And I just think back of the whole weekend was fantastic. Good weather, great flying, great airplanes. Uh, like I said, I will be back as soon as they tell me they're doing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad both of you guys were able to be there. Sorry. We didn't, uh, cross paths this time, Larry, but, uh, fortunately we've, we've at least had that happen in the past before. So I, I think for me, I really have to echo about everything these guys have said, getting to, getting to meet up with, with people that, you know, they, they've become, friends from the internet and you know our friends in real life and that's that's a lot of fun you know kind of all like-minded people can can sit and and have the the same photography conversation about you know this or that plane or camera settings or whatever it's just it's a it's a lot of fun also to echo what ryan said you know we hadn't we've been been friends for a couple years now and had never actually met and uh he actually met up with us uh saturday night after the show we uh wife and I went and ate dinner and then met up with Ryan and did some really lousy gambling. Had a lot of fun doing that and, and catching up and talking about stuff that, you know, we were going to be seeing the following day. But as far as the show goes, uh, you know, seeing all the, the final performances was, was pretty special. But uh, I think kind of what closed out the day was when uh, we had moved up to the north end of the field and I knew that we weren't going to be waiting around for the end of the Thunderbirds performance we wanted to I knew about as about as soon as both both sneaks had gone by that we were going to be hitting the trail and getting back to our hotel and by that point my my dogs were barking and uh so we were all standing there at the north end and just waiting for the uh the north to south sneak to uh, cross our paths and we had just a clean shot and I remembered it from two years ago being what felt like much closer than um, what I've seen at previous shows. And I don't know if it's the fact that it's home base or if it's the fact that it's, you know, the very last show of the year or what, but that sneak pass um, is best way I can describe it electric. I know we were all, we all knew it was coming and it was still difficult to catch because he just popped right over the top of us and, just sub mock and you know felt like your eardrums burst and you could feel it in your chest and all the things that you know that make that special at an air show so i'd say that was probably my my favorite moment there but um 
you know, Ryan already kind of mentioned it, but this this show, it's it's one of the very last shows of the season, um, and unique to to that. There were actually kind of three that I have noted here that were final ever shows, not just somebody's last show of the season. Julie Clark has flown her T-34 for a very, very, very long time and um, has finally decided that she's going to end things on her terms. And and this was her last show to do that and to be standing in front of her when she uh, taxied up with the American flag and shut the engine down and, and just let it roll um, was a pretty special moment to see. And it just happened to be right in front of the same plane that Dojo, I believe, had just climbed out of. Um, for his final flight, and then, um, you know, about 20 minutes later, the um, a, a good portion of the uh, of the Thunderbirds, both officers and and all of their maintenance and, and support staff, you know, would be moving on to other positions uh, in the military, and and seeing all of that, all of that transpire in about a 30 minute period was was is really special, and I was glad I was be able to be there to see all that. I'd say that's my one regret uh, when I plan this out i did not take any of that into consideration and saw some fantastic photographs of those final moments from each of those performers and uh sorry i missed that part and didn't really think about that end of the end of the show season end of some people's uh flying for performances uh altogether uh glad glad you guys got to see that yeah it was it was pretty cool so larry you if I recall correctly, uh, you weren't bringing your your typical gear to this show. Yeah, I, I had made the decision that I wanted to uh, wanted to try out the 500 millimeter prime uh, from Canon, so I rented that and uh, a neutral density filter to drop in because I was specifically trying to get some shots of Vicky Benzing. So I had the neutral density drop in the 500, and then I have a 1.4 uh, teleconverter Canon. And I should apologize because I've said some nasty things about it before. I've called it a paperweight and useless, but um, it's a different animal on the on the prime lens. And somebody had pointed that out to me. I never I never claimed to be a, a an expert at any of this stuff. I think rule number one in photography is know your equipment and know it well. I broke that one a long time ago. So I continue to figure things out as I go. And the 500 millimeter on a 1.4 is is a very potent combo very crisp uh of course you are in tight and (laughs) when they're running the sneak passes that close it's no help uh but i I varied it up i shot with just the 500 prime i shot with the 500 prime with the teleconverter in there and then also with the nd filter um it it lets in a lot of light and if you're shooting slow shutter uh there was some experimenting or learning on the fly as i figured out how to control light um and the slow shutter and messing with the neutral density but altogether uh also had the Canon 90D attached to it. It was a pretty nice setup, um, and I, I'm so far haven't been through everything, but the stuff I've been through, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the results. Uh, but uh, as you know, you've shot with the 500 a lot. It, it's a dedicated lens, and unless you're going to bring a couple different setups, sling two cameras and that sort of thing, uh, you will be shooting close. So I did also have uh, the 100 to 400 on my 80D, and so I just alternated between that. So a lot of the takeoff and landing action was a little too close for the 500, especially with the teleconverter in there. So I would just pick up the 80D and the 1 to 400, and I was pretty happy with my setups. 
if if you guys haven't already seen it, you got to go uh, check out Larry's Instagram for some of these shots that he got with uh, with this setup because the uh, that was quite the bazooka and being able to really get in there and you could about read what was on everybody's helmets as they were flying by was really impressive is the best way I can put it. Yeah, it doesn't make for very artistic photos, but it's definitely cool. And, you know, obviously not every shot is in that tight, but, you know, to get inside the cockpit like that, it's pretty spectacular. And then, you know, still have an option to sit when something's taxiing by. Uh, I think the the 500 is probably too much for that. Um, A lot of the stuff was taxiing right in front of the crowd line, which I very much appreciate. But that's why that situation I had to have two cameras, two lenses. Well, I kind of went uh, went that same route myself. Uh, I was able to uh, get a loaner Nikon D850 from Nikon Professional Services, and I had actually I'd rented that uh, that same body when we were in Chino. Actually, you rented it, and I paid you back for it. But uh, at any rate, um, and. When I was using it in Chino, and I guess this kind of goes back to exactly what Larry just said about, you know, knowing your gear. And um, it it's set up exactly like my, my D500. Um, but by the time I got the first pass going by, and, and I guess I'll back up and say I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, as fast of a frame rate as I can get in a body. Um, I'm not just going to mash the shutter down, you know, the entire pass, but I like doing bursts of three. I find that the first shot takes into account me pressing the shutter down and the middle one's usually pretty decent. And the, the third one is me releasing the shutter. So I like to have a good fast frame rate that way for a lot of the slow shutter stuff that I do. At any rate, when I was, when I was using it at Chino, um, it just felt slow compared to the, the D500 that I was using. And so I, I basically didn't really bring it out much or other than just uh, static shots when uh, when the aircraft were on the ground. Um, and when I was at Oshkosh, I, I kind of mentioned that it was just a lot slower than I expected it to be to somebody. And they're like, well, did you have the battery grip with it? And I was like, well, no. And they kind of pointed out, you actually get a two additional uh, frames per second if you include the battery grip versus without having it. And so I just kind of told myself, all right, I'm going to at least give this one more shot and see how it goes. So I'd requested the requested the, the D850 with the battery grip this time. And um, once I picked it up and in my hotel room got everything all set up and thought I'd try it out through the window, and I'll be darned if it wasn't just about as fast as my, as my D500. So I knew that was going to be my setup for the day. Um, and uh, the, the one thing that I didn't really take into account um is that uh, it's a close to 46 megapixel camera and i was just looking back at some of my raw files here and and they're mostly all 55 megabyte files which is just unwieldy and so during the show one thing i was experimenting with that i had never planned on but there's a basically a switch that you can basically pick between um various crops on that camera but I knew when, um, you know, when the pass was a long ways out there, I didn't need to have all this open space that I could actually, you know, help um, help with file sizes and and probably also speed of the camera. I assume by basically going into a crop mode, and that was a whole other experiment that I didn't intend on doing. And in hindsight, I kind of wish that I wouldn't have, just because. 
Um, I, I think there's some shots that I missed because I was fiddling around with um, with changing it from from basically full frame to crop. And you know, my my reasoning behind it was to just try to try to make this show a little bit more manageable on the back end. Um, and like I said, kind of wish I wouldn't have done that, but that's what I did. And to make things a little bit more complicated for me, I was also uh, I rented the Sigma 60 to 600 Sport, and uh, really wanted to put it through put it through its paces. Uh, I knew that was one that I was hoping to buy at some point if it was the right lens. I'd heard great things about it. It's been around for I'm guessing over a year now, um, but I hadn't had a chance to try it out. I've uh, I've been a user of the the Sigma 150 to 600 Contemporary, which was the it's a it's a fantastic lens. It it um, it's lightweight. Uh, the image stabilization is good. The reach is good. For uh, basically, you know, the the cost of the of this lens being you know less than a thousand bucks, you get amazing product out of it. But I've had the lens for a couple of years, and I really wanted something that I could actually you know, get a little bit extra reach on the wide end. And, um, so at any rate, I wanted to try out this 60 to 600, um, kind of some of my, my initial thoughts of it. Um, it's, it's almost six pounds, which basically puts it at uh, a little over a pound and a half heavier than my 150 to 600. Um, carrying it around, you know, it's like, I say it's heavier, but it's not, it's not unwieldy. In comparison to what I've had, um, also being able to use the the Nikon 500 Prime, it's not not remotely as heavy as that beast. Um, but as silly as it is, one of the things that I'm most impressed with that with the 60 to 600 is that they put a what I'm calling a full size um, handle on it. Um, the Black Rapid strap that I use basically lets the camera sit upside down. Um, right about at the end of my fingertips and instead of just letting the camera just bang into my leg when I'm walking around uh, I could just basically wrap my fingertips around the the handle or the uh, the tripod mount um, of the lens and just kind of hold it with my arms and it just makes for a lot more a lot more comfort walking around and also when you need to grab the camera um, it's something to just grab it and pick it up and and uh, and shoot Whereas what I had before with the with the 150 to 600, uh, the the mount down there really only allowed you to, to uh, use about two fingers to hold on to it. Yeah, I got a chance to look at that lens, and um, I didn't get to shoot with it, but I got to look at it up close, and it you know it looks like it's quite the unit. Um, I'm excited to give it a shot. I'd, I'd love to see what it can do. Made it to like the 90D on the Canon side, but um, <clears throat> I was waiting to hear what you actually thought of uh of the lens you know all in i know that there was a learning curve as you went but you know what did you do is it is a purchase worthy the the one thing i can't i can't speak to 100 percent yet is the sharpness um in comparison to because you also have the 150 to 600 correct yeah um i haven't i haven't been able to you know, just run run through and definitively say yes. This is so much sharper than the 150 to 600. Um, based on all the reviews that I've read by people that are a lot smarter than me, um, it is much sharper than the 150 to 600. Um, but 
you know, judging by what I had shot two years previous on the 150 to 600 and what I shot this year, you know, I would say my skills have improved somewhat. Um, so it, it's, it's hard to, hard to draw that comparison from one air show. Um, but I was incredibly impressed with it. Um, especially for, for what I do. Um, I, I have access to, um, my local airport here that I spend most of my time at Stearman field. Uh, I mean, I can basically stand almost on the runway and shoot. And one thing that's always troubled me there is I need to take two bodies with me if I'm going to, um, enjoy that to the fullest. Um, because you know, somebody on final, I might be at 500 millimeters and then somebody landing right in front of me, you know, I'm going to be pulling out my 70 to 200 and you know, it's going to be at, at 70. Well, this is going to allow me to basically put it on my, my crop sensor uh, D 500 and have one lens that handles the entire sequence of somebody taking off or landing. I think that's the one thing I miss on the 150 to 600. Uh, it is a very versatile lens. I would argue, you know, pound for pound, lens for dollar. I think it's a pretty incredible value. Um, the only thing is it, it is nicer to be able to open it up to 60 on the short end. So, um, like I said, I'm excited to give it a shot. Uh, but it did seem there were several of you out there trying it out, and I've heard mostly good stuff from those who shot with it, so that's a good sign. Yeah, the the one thing that I find to be the, the most impressive thing about it is the close focus, um, meaning at, at 60 millimeters, it will focus at roughly two feet away from the end of the lens. Yeah. Which I don't know what the number is on the 150 to 600, but it's not that. Um, and even it's, and I was, I just I had to look this up because I hadn't, I hadn't really tested the theory, but at 600 millimeters, if I read it correctly from Sigma's website, it's eight and a half feet. Oh goodness! So the the image stabilization is, I'm I'm gonna say amazing for the cost, and the fact that you can take and basically create your own macro lens, you know, using 600 millimeters as long as you're eight and a half feet away from a subject is is pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm looking forward um, to it. That sounds exciting, and I saw your images. They look they look fantastic so far. So I guess I will I will now answer your question, Larry. If it's if it's worth purchasing, um, I did pull the trigger, and I just received mine last Thursday. Ah, congratulations! And, Happy uh, new lens. It's yeah. It's it's been um, it's been plenty uh, plenty cloudy, and this whole daylight savings time or lack thereof, whichever it is, has kind of ruined me because as soon as I get off work, I can't go anywhere and shoot anything that fun. So it's been just kind of the best I can do with whatever I can find to, to test it out through through the winter months, but looking forward to uh, to some, some green grass and, and being able to, to put it through its paces. Is that but still a, a variable aperture? It is, and it's 4.5 okay. to 6.3. And, uh, Ryan, what, what did you, what was your setup? You were slinging two, two lenses, two bodies, Yeah, right? I went with, uh, I went with my go-to, uh, so, uh, crop sensor on the D500 and the full frame with the D750. And I'm trying to think if I had, 
I think I had like a twenty-four. I had the twenty-four to one twenty, and I'm trying to remember if I had brought out the seventy to two hundred yet because I had just made that purchase. Oh, uh, back in November. Um, so I, I, in addition to this Sigma one fifty to six hundred contemporary that I have, I love Sigma. I rented three different of the seventy two hundreds just to uh, see which one I liked the most, and uh, I went with the Sigma. So. Uh, that was that's what I was slinging around, uh, but you know when like you said it was a pretty pretty higher show, uh, so I would say ninety five percent of the time I was you know utilizing the one fifty to six. Yeah, and kind of you know the other thing too I mentioned you know being close to the runway and whatnot. You know, Nellis is a show that, and maybe maybe media was treated differently, but as far as um, you know, just, just going as the general public, they didn't want any backpacks, at least that were of the size that would be useful for me. And so, you know, my idea there with renting this in the first place was, Hey, I can at least take really one, one body, one lens and should be able to cover about everything that I wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for shows like that, where you really are limited to what you can carry around, being able to, you know, go from 60 to 600 millimeters is yeah that's, that's pretty helpful yeah i'm telling you that on a crop sensor i think i think i can do a lot with that and as i mentioned last time we we were here i mean that's just sort of what i've become i, I just would love very much to take one lens one body and stay mobile um as opposed to bringing the whole barn with me well, that's what how i used to be it was just okay just bring everything that you have and then i wised up a little bit and uh so well, I don't need to bring everything. I don't want to bring everything because I got to walk around with it all day. So exactly. <laughs> I keep track of it. <laughs> we got the yeah, chiropractor well, bills to prove you know, it. If I could just swing, you know, a body or two, and then a uh, a lens or two to to bring it along, that's fine with me. That's less to carry, and that's lighter on me. Yeah, I'd say the exception is if if there's going to be you know an opportunity to do some some night shooting or something, I will. You'll bring a, a tiny little tripod and maybe a full frame body, uh, but for you know show line work, I'm, I'm happy when I got a body and lens, one setup that's that's doing most of what I need to. I think that's why I'm uh, very much looking forward to trying the 60 to 600. But now we've got to wait a couple months, so and I'll just uh, be editing photographs in the meantime. Yeah, at least you still have sunny skies out there to play with. Yeah, it was cold today though, but uh, at least I did I did make it down to the airport. Did not fly today, uh, exercising motorcycles today, but there were several people out enjoying the blue sky. It was crisp air, blue sky, puffy white clouds. Pretty pretty good day to fly. It looked like cold, like sixty five, cold. Yeah, low sixties. Mm. Okay. Not like what I thought. Snow on the football field, <laughs> you can't see the yard markers. Nothing like that. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> But yeah, I I've had a you know a few of our friends ask you know what what my thoughts are just because I I do own it now and um, I thus far I can't recommend it enough. Um, That's great. If, if somebody already has the 150 to 600 and they are only you know spotting from a parking garage for commercial aircraft, I would say it's not worth your money to upgrade. Um, but if you are you know, only have, you know, three or 400 millimeters in whatever lens you have now and want to upgrade from that, I would absolutely say do it. 
Um, it's it, it seems to be very versatile. It's built built like a tank, um, a little bit heavy, but you know we all need exercise, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to putting it through its paces and and uh, seeing where we go from there. But right, you uh you got to play around with uh with some big glass here recently. I did. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to use it at a uh, at an air show, um, but I wanted to. Uh, <clears throat> There's a really neat uh, place over in Maryland, not too far from where I live here in Pennsylvania. It's about a two-hour drive. It's called Conowingo, and it's a dam, and it's also a nesting area for bald eagles. And, you know, when you're not taking photos of strike eagles, why not take pictures of bald eagles or birds? So um, I went ahead and rented a uh, 600 Prime, and I also rented a 1.7 teleconverter. Yeah, so I put that onto my crop sensor on the uh, D500 and uh, took a little bit of getting used to as I'm not used to that kind of weight, uh, especially having the Sigma 150 to 600 contemporary. So transitioning to a, a lens like that definitely took some practice. And uh, if you can if you can hold that all day and uh, just keep that aimed at the sky, then more power to you because I, I lasted a couple minutes at a time and then it was time for a break. <laughs> did you try a monopod or anything or were you just setting it down lens towards the ground each time it was lens towards the ground so i only have one monopod and and uh i said you know this is a twelve thousand dollar lens and i'm not sure if this monopod is actually rated to hold this thing so i'll just hold on to it <laughs> yeah good idea i uh, i had rented canon's 600 prime years ago for the Red Bull Air Race and I had the flimsiest monopod and it was pretty hysterical because we're, we're so close to the water. I could shoot them across the bay and then as they came close I had to pan up and you know the monopod comes whipping out like some sort of weapon, like a hockey stick out in front of me. <laughs> so you got to be careful with it but uh, in the right situation a, a sturdy, I went later bought a sturdier monopod sturdier monopod for long level shots on a 600 is a, a really decent setup uh mm -hmm. since i have no intention of trying to work a gimbal on a tripod or anything yeah i mean i think i've always just kind of gone with uh you know freehand just based on what we do and trying to shoot an air show with a monopod it's just you're you know you're i guess the plus side would be nobody would be standing next to you but um <laughs> you know there'd be some you'll have no <laughs> friends exactly, <laughs> exactly. so no, it was a it was a cool experience. I mean, um, definitely shooting with the six hundred. It was you know with that much reach. I think it was over fourteen hundred for the reach, and uh, just finding the damn bird and, and the <laughs> viewfinder was a challenge uh, enough. But um, you know, it was a very quick autofocus on the lens. It, it locked on to stuff, and uh, the shots that I did get uh, were just absolutely you know for my first time shooting eagles. I thought they were pretty good. So uh, I, I definitely would rent it again in a heartbeat. Hey, did you post any of those yet to your Instagram or anywhere? I did. I did. Uh, it's been a few days since I posted anything. I but I, I posted a series of shots. I'm checking. Yeah, birds are a challenge and one I'm not, I'm not really good at. And uh, there are plenty of people out there who are, uh, you know, masters with birds. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm st I'm, I have enough challenges with airplanes that they don't change direction nearly as quickly. Yeah, that was Eagles. You know, thankfully, will they'll uh, they'll glide for a little bit, uh, but all it takes is just a quick change, and then they're gone. 
So yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm looking at them now. That's beautiful. The one yep, over the too. river, fantastic shot. Thank you. Go, Appreciate it. Go check out Rye Guy Aviation. <laughs> See the eagles. No, um, so the the one thing I've I've done the same thing where you set it down lens first. Obviously, it's got the giant hood on it, so mm-hmm. the glass is protected. The one thing that is nice is that that setup is actually tall enough. You don't have to lean down very far. You just gotta, you know, clean and jerk it right off the ground <laughs> to your shoulder yeah. each time. Uh, and it, it, I remember the weekend at Red Bull, my shoulder being quite sore after the second day of, of doing that. It's a big, it, heavy lens. It is, and you know, fortunately, I, I'm not that tall, so I have a you know, pretty low center of gravity, and. Uh, so it, it is nice not to have to bend over, pick it up, bend over, pick it up. It's just a quick crouch, and then you got it. Yeah, um, but it is a lift every time. It, it definitely is. That's for sure. I was just looking up. I was curious if it's, uh, if it's heavier than the, uh, than the 500 Prime. or. I've never shot with the 500 Prime. I know, uh, I think Raitai said that you had extensive knowledge of it at Oshkosh. So... Yeah, I wish I had more knowledge of it. <laughs> if I had $12,000, I could do the 600. First of all, all this lens talk, always rent it. Rent it first. It's, it's yeah. you know, what might be right for Nick might not be right for anybody else. So uh, there yeah. are a lot of fantastic options for renting equipment to give it a good thorough run through. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do on the 6600 before I purchase it. The other thing is uh, there are... You know, it's not like a new one of these comes out every year. There's a, an amazing amount of quality used uh, lenses out there, and you can save thousands, literally five, $6,000 you could save uh, if you're willing to take someone else's used lens. Yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm in the market for for a 14 to 24, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to buy a new one because I know I'm going to be using it very infrequently, but I've got a specific use for it you know, when the time comes. And so I'm I'm monitoring all the all the available sources to see when when something comes, but I just don't see the point on you know for that particular case for me to you know shell out the the dollars that it is for a brand new one when I'm you know I might use it four times a year. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm looking at a couple of uh, 1.4s, and you know, like you said, if you only use it a few times a year, is it really worth investing in it? Yeah. So. Well, Ryan, you said that. Uh, the reason that you were at Nellis on that Friday was for work. Uh, you're you're still in sales, right? I'm not. Uh, so back in uh, early November, I had a career change, and uh, I started with a defense contractor known as Draken International. <clears throat> so we, uh, if are you familiar with Draken at all? I am a little bit, but I'm looking forward to hearing more. Sure. Awesome. So we're, Draken is a fairly young company. Uh, we, our roots go back to the, uh, 2011, 2012, uh, year range. And <clears throat> before I get back into our history, I'll tell you a little bit about what we actually do and the services that we provide. Um, <clears throat> so we are contract air support. So whether that is air-to-air simulation, dissimilar combat sim- simulation, uh, adversary or threat simulation uh, for the Air Force or uh, Navy, uh, any DOD component that is looking to potentially uh, provide a 
substantial adversary while uh, providing a cost savings to not only the uh, military component or the branch, but uh, to the taxpayer as well. Um, so that's a little bit about what we do. And I'm sure if you're familiar with uh, red flags out at Nellis, um, you know, uh, the Air Force plays the, uh, you know, the blue air or the good guys. And the adversary is the red or red air. Uh, so when red flag is not going on, we're basically always considered the red guys or the bad guys. Uh, so what we're able to do is uh, take our aircraft up against uh, F-22s, F-35s, and uh, pretty much the uh, entire Air Force uh, inventory and provide a, a realistic dis dissimilar training scenario uh, for those pilots that are, are going through weapons school in the Air Force. What uh, what aircraft are you guys using? So the uh, so we have a few L thirty nines out there. Um, we have L one fifty nine Honey Badgers, A uh, fours, you know the same ones that were uh, flying around as uh, with you know, Jester and, and Viper and Top Gun. Um, and uh, we recently uh, just picked up some F one Mirages from Spain. And uh, soon to be coming online uh, in the next couple of years here uh, will be the Atlas Cheetahs from uh, South Africa. So we've got a pretty sizable fleet. Is that dispersed around the country? Or is that all in, was that Florida? So we have two split uh, locations. Uh, we Our headquarters is in Lakeland, Florida, just outside of uh, Tampa. Home of Sun and Fun, and then by we, the way. Yeah, That's where Larry and I met. So we're, That's right. Yeah, see? Uh, we're on the southern side of the airport, and uh, we have a large operation at uh, Nellis. Uh, but we go where the Air Force needs us. Uh, so if we're having a large component at uh, Nellis, uh, or if there's another base somewhere else in the U.S. that they say, hey, we, we need a couple of uh, 159s to uh, support F-16 training, we'll go there. So, you know, we, uh, we can be as many or as little as needed i should say when it comes to a training perspective that sounds exciting and a lot of cool aircraft um probably talked about on a daily basis in your in your new occupation i'd imagine uh yeah definitely and uh you know we're we're supersonic now with the uh, the acquisition of the uh, f1 mirages so we're really super excited to get those online uh, to go up against the good guys I assume these pilots aren't just uh, you know, retired commercial aviators. Where where do they typically come from? That's a good question. Uh, so the majority of our guys are uh, former Air Force or Navy. That's uh, probably about 75 to 85 percent Air Force guys. Um, went through Air Force Weapons School uh, that were previous IPs, and they know the airplanes inside and out. And uh, these guys have an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to air-to-air -air combat. Uh, so, you know, whatever the current Air Force uh, students that are going through weapons school with their IPs, uh, they're, they're getting the best of both worlds because they're getting the knowledge of the, um, you know, the Air Force, the guys that are, the IPs that are still in the Air Force there. And they're also getting the wealth of knowledge out of the Draken guys. Uh, so these, these guys are, are really... Uh, providing more than just a, a a contract air service, it's it's a you know, it's a game of knowledge that they're passing along. 
I know it's uh, early, but uh, enjoying it so far, I just imagine working around aircraft and pilots has got to not be a bad way to spend the day. You know, I, I am. It's, uh, you know, I, I wear a few different hats within the company here, and, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work from home here in Pennsylvania and, you know, travel, and that's what I was doing in uh, Las Vegas, uh, you know, back in November for the Nellis show, and uh, a few days ago during uh, ICAST happened to be happening, but uh, I was in Vegas the last few days for our Christmas party. So it's been a great job so far. Uh, I love what we do on a daily basis. I believe in what we do on a daily basis. Uh, the airplanes are, are, you know, certainly a really cool part of it. Uh, but I, I, I like to think that our, our people are what makes us a little bit different. Yeah, it's great and amazing service to provide too, keeping our guys sharp. So uh, thank you and looking forward to hearing more about that. That is exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, man. It's a, hopefully it's a long journey. It's only just getting going, but uh, you know there should be a lot of cool stuff going on in the future. Yeah, can you talk at all about, uh, about what you are doing? Yeah, sure. So I was brought on uh, as the director of media and communications with the company. And, you know, as I mentioned, I, I kind of wear multiple hats. So by my nature, I'm a photographer. Um, so that's one of the things that I do with the company. Um, social media is another one, by the way. Follow us. Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, it's just Draken and then international or underscore intl so draken underscore intl is where you can find us um another thing that i've been tasked with is uh brand awareness uh so not many people are aware of a more or less civilian squadron of uh of fighter jets so including the military um so one of the things that i've been tasked with is the brand awareness component of it uh, so you have the folks that are, you know, potentially looking at, uh, you know, look, leaving the military, whether it's a uh, officer and a guy that's looking to go fly for Delta or United or whoever the the flying game takes them, uh, but they still want to have that uh, that you know that fighter pilot feeling and, and mentality, and uh, if they can do it as a part time thing and stay close with the military folks, uh, we provide a tremendous avenue for that. And the same thing on the uh, the maintenance or the uh, uh, you know personnel standpoint of it. Uh, there's folks that are transitioning out of the military that you know they might have been turning wrenches on uh, you know C5s or F16s or A10s, and you know they they, they might want to transition out of the military and into the civilian world, but they want to stay close to it. Uh, so we're providing a great avenue, uh, both on the actual uh, aerial and on the uh, ground perspective. Does that include uh, doing your own flying maintenance for the for the fleet? Or is that done in house? It is fantastic. Yeah, so uh, we're growing. It's a it's a good time uh, to be with Draken. Uh, we're doing wonderful things, East Coast, West Coast, throughout the uh, the U.S. here, and uh, you know things are moving fast. And I don't want to say it's supersonic, but it's supersonic considering we just went supersonic. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, no, it's a great time to be with the company. I'm beyond blessed and, and grateful for the opportunity uh, to be a part of it. Well, that's awesome, man. Super happy for you. And, and uh, thank you. Appreciate you sharing that with us tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, stay tuned. A lot of good stuff in the works. Looking forward to that. 
So uh, I think with that, we'll kind of move on to what's going on in full disc aviation. Um, I believe we've got um, we've got several pieces in the in the pipe right now, and um, we'll just I would say just stay tuned for for what's coming up. I know we've got um, a piece on the wings over Houston, uh, and uh, a really cool watch company called Aviate, and uh, also a piece that uh, Nick Pascarella penned about. Uh, about a B-17 ride and, and how that also um, kind of relates to the, the recent Collins, Collings Foundation incident. Um, but at any rate, uh, I don't think we've got any shows coming up since the air show season is over with. But uh, we're all kind of trying to take a breath and, and figure out which end is up and, and what our plans are for the following year. So uh, I guess with that, well, let's move on to shout outs. Larry, you have any shout outs? Well, I mean, at this time of year, you got to look back and <laughs> just thankful for all the opportunities that I had. Uh, shout outs first and foremost to my, my family and friends that support this crazy passion. Um, you know, all of the air show organizers, performers, you know, the, the, the more I do this, the more I see how much every aspect is working hard to put on a great show for the public and for the photographers and for the press and you know everybody else who's who's interested and in, in tuned in um specifically i i really owe a lot of uh what happened this year to my friends over at the central coast air fest and uh, everyone should give them a follow on instagram and facebook uh central coast air fest that's the annual air show in santa maria california in october i believe the 2020 show is the 17th and 18th but we'll have to verify that. Uh, and other than that, you know, the, the, the friends that I have in this uh, passion that keep me going, uh, I hope everybody can look back and, and say that it was a successful year. And, and if not, uh, best wishes for 2020. Just get out there and get after it. Do the work. Awesome, man. How about you, Ryan? Man, that was so good. I don't know how I'm going to follow that <laughs> up. Um, you know, Larry, you did say something that kind of stuck out and, and it kind of hit me over the last year or so is, you know, an air show, it's it's kind of like flying an airplane. You don't just, you know, get in, turn it on and go. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of work, a lot of phone calls, a lot of man hours. And, you know, it's, it, you start to appreciate it more the logistical standpoint of how much goes into creating an air show. And then it's it it comes and goes in an entire weekend and, you know, it might be a year or two of, of effort and it, you know, 72 hours later, it's done. Uh, it's kind of like getting married, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, from a shadow perspective, now that the, uh, the year is done, uh, we did some absolutely incredible stuff this year. Um, my number one shout out is, is going to be to my bride, um, and, and my puppy. For their support and uh, not minding me getting up early or you know, coming in really really late at night um, for the fellow full discers that would uh, sleep over and uh, we'd stay up late and leave early um, but like I said we did some really incredible stuff um, with some incredible people this year and so I want to give a, a shout out to uh, all the ACC teams uh, and and particular the uh the f-22 uh the f-16 and the uh, f-35 guys uh they they were very uh understanding and, and very easy to work with and 
I hope we continue that relationship in you know 2020 and, and years going forward. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to uh, you know all the other photographers, as Larry mentioned. If you didn't get what what you wanted here in 2019, the good thing is air show season is going to be here before you know it. Uh, another few months here, so do what you need to do and and get ready to get after it. And uh, no, I'm just I'm just excited to uh, get going again next year. Amen to that. Here, here. And you, Nick. Well, I. I just wanted to point out, even though Ryan said his puppy being supportive, I, I from what I understand, not a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> well, two pairs of headphones. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think that's his uh, indirect way of saying you don't need to do exactly. That. Oh, is, he, <laughs> is he eating the equipment? He he, uh, he ripped apart two pairs of headphones. Ouch! They're brand new. Oh, that hurts. So, so I just started hiding them. <laughs> we'll see how long it takes. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, to echo everything you guys have already said, you know, the the people in the game, um, it's been fun getting to know everybody and, and hang out with everybody. Um, but my my go-to shout-out, I can probably shout this out every episode, but uh, is to my wife. She's put up with an awful lot and takes care of things when I'm gone and um, is the most supportive person in the world to, uh, you know, do whatever it takes to, to let me, let me go out and do what I enjoy doing. And um, I just can't thank her enough for that. And that's, that's my one shout out. So. Well, it's a good one and it's neat that you guys get to go to a, you know, at least here and there an air show uh, together. It's something that I have been able to enjoy couple times uh, with my wife, and she, you know, similar to yours, extends more patience than I deserve. And I'm, uh, That's a very that. good way of putting that. <laughs> so, well, why don't you guys tell the listeners where they can find your work? Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, so uh, you can find my personal work on Facebook and Instagram, simply Ryguy Aviation, one word. And then from a business perspective, uh, please do follow Draken International. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Some of that content is yours as well? Yeah, from, yes, sir. Right on. Uh, my stuff is uh, mostly on Instagram, at 211 underscore aviation. And uh, I have a Facebook. They, they tell me it's nice. Again, I still really haven't looked at it or understand it but uh believe my pictures are transferring over there again they are okay good you guys confirm that for me every time (laughs) but instagram is where i'm at and it's uh 211 underscore aviation uh this past year as i mentioned did a lot of work with central coast air fest uh and that's a neat channel to follow because uh they repost a lot of photographers work so check them out as well at central coast air fest awesome and you can uh find me on instagram at gravity.images or if you search Gravity Images on Facebook, uh, you can find me there too, but you will find two of them, and I would be the one with the airplane photos. Good call. And that should wrap it up for Episode 6. I really want to say thank you to Larry and Ryan for taking the time out of their evening to join us. Uh, this, was, this was great. And uh, with that being said, this is Nick Moore signing off until next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. Merry Christmas, everybody. Full Disc Aviation is a group of aviation photographers and enthusiasts that are passionate about sharing our love for aviation with you. 
Visit our website at fulldiscaviation.com for exclusive interviews, stories, and photo galleries, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for frequent content updates. Also, please leave us a review in iTunes. We always welcome any feedback that can improve the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. And don't forget, Full Disc begins at 160th.